Good afternoon, and welcome to the Voice of Wisdom. With over 60 years of experience as an investment banker, entrepreneur, investment analyst, economist, and venture capitalist, Morty Davis is Wall Street and capitalism personified. The over 400 companies for which he has raised more than $3 billion over the years have created a countless number of jobs and exciting new products. Through the voice of wisdom, Mr. Davis explores, analyzes, and debates the most topical political, economic, and social issues facing our world today. Joining Mr. Davis today for a discussion of the politicization of the judicial system is Rabbi David Seidman. And now, Mr. Davis and Rabbi Seidman. Welcome back. I hope you welcome me back. <clears throat> we took a break because the last two Wednesdays were holy holidays for the, for the Jewish people. I happen to be Jewish, if you, you didn't notice. And uh, I couldn't do the programs the last two Wednesdays. So I really missed you guys. It's great to be back with you. And we have a very interesting subject today that we're going to address. It's about judges. We, I'm sure all of you recognize that we have three, um, three different, um, we have the, three different branches of government: the executive, the legislative, and the um, judicial. Um, the executive is the president and all the people that he appoints, all, all the people that are elected, the vice president and so forth. The legislative is all of Congress, the, all the members of the House of Representatives and the Senate. And the third branch are the judges that are appointed by the president and approved by the um, Senate in most cases. In some, districts and some milieu, uh, they do have elected voters, judges, people vote directly for judges. But anyway, our forefathers and their uh, uh, tremendous wisdom decided that these three are necessary to balance each other. So, so no one branch, you know, the executive can't be a dictatorship, the, the legislature can't uh, determine laws without the president's approval because he can veto it. And the, uh, and the uh, judicial is supposed to rule if anything is consistent with the, the Constitution itself. So it's, it's over the uh, centuries now, what is it, two centuries? <clears throat> over the last, uh, since the founding of the, uh, the country and, and the establishment of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, it's worked pretty well. Except in recent years, in the most recent years, it seems like each branch is intrude, instead of being a, a limitation on, on the other branches, is becoming like, uh, um, feels like they have the, uh, final determination, they're the dominant uh, branch that determines uh, what the government, what our laws should be, in fact. And the best example of that is what happened with the um, birth control pill. I, I, 
can't even pronounce it. Menestr—it's not menestrone. That's uh, mifepristone, I believe it's. Mifepristone. It's a mistake. Anyway, um, where a, ju- a judge in Texas uh, ruled that this drug that's been in use for 20, more than 20 years now, was approved by the FDA as being safe and effective. Uh, he decided that they didn't do the job right and therefore the drug should be approved and, and reworked again, re-researched again as to whether it's a legitimate drug that people should take. And that's, this is a case where the um, judge is, is making law because the law is that the FDA is the final determinator of whether a drug is, is, is safe and whether it's effective, and that's not the role of the of the um, judiciary, uh, because that's it's not not dealt with in the, in the uh, constitution, and the agency that's uh, been selected by the executive branch and the legislative branch, and voted by a majority of the legislature. Uh, established the FDA, so much so that even the drug companies that usually resent agencies, regulations, are so upset by this ruling because any judge now could come along and say the same thing about whatever drug they don't like or what they choose to, to reject. It really, it should be like, <clears throat> there's a story about a couple that has a conflict, a married couple, and they come to the rabbi to help them out. So the husband tells his story, and the rabbi says, you're right. And then the wife tells her story, and he says to her, you're right. So his, his shamas, his assistant, says, rabbi, you, you made a mistake, you know, you, you're... You told the husband he's right, and you tell the wife she's right. So that can't be. So he says to the shamus, "You're right too. That we should have more of that in this country. We have the opposite. Every the minute that something is raised, there's a total conflict, and nobody agrees with anything that the other party says. So without dominating this uh, program, we have a real voice of wisdom, Rabbi." David Seidemann, who's not only a, a appropriate for this subject because he's a rabbi and rabbis in the Jewish religion uh, make the determination of what the, the Jewish constitution is, which is the Torah, the Old Testament. And he's also a lawyer who's very knowledgeable and insightful on the uh, Constitution and the laws of this country. So it's a pleasure to welcome back, welcome him back again and get, get the benefit of his wisdom and his encyclopedic knowledge. So rabbi, lawyer, LLB, whatever you... Friend. That's, that's why I like to be introduced friend, as yeah. your friend. That's the that's best. That's the best accolade. That's, that's the best part of you.
So I, I don't know, uh, just to give a little bit of, of background, how this case is actually being heard today is Wednesday when we're recording this. Um, the uh, Supreme Court is actually supposed to deal with this case today. And just for those people that are not familiar with the, how a case like this gets to the Supreme Court, we have a federal a system of courts in America. Every state has their own courts and there's local courts. Then there's federal district courts, which deal with cases between two states or uh, federal questions such as this. And there's, I think, 91 of them across the country. I think that's the number. And then above that, there's 13 circuit courts of appeal. And above that, there's circuit? the United circuit courts, well, not circus. Well, circus courts. Yeah, sometimes it is. It seems like circuit right. courts. Right. Circuit court of justice. Then there's one United States Supreme Court. So what was interesting is that a case was brought in Texas against, uh, decided by a judge who, according to most reports, is an anti-abortionist. And there's been allegations that there was forum shopping in getting this case in front of the judge. But the judge in Texas ruled that this drug uh, that the FDA approved, um, that the FDA didn't do their job 20 years ago. They didn't really do their homework on the negative effects of this drug. Now, this drug is actually used in concert with a second drug, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. What does it mean if they outlaw this drug? This drug uh, Is the second drug still going to be available? Um, at any rate, on the very day that this judge in Texas decided that the FDA didn't do their homework and this, this drug is coming off the shelf, a, another judge in Washington State, very, I believe it was the very same day, another federal district court decided, no, FDA did their homework, the, the drug stays on the market. Well, whenever you have a conflict between two federal district courts, that's a recipe for a case going up to the United States Supreme Court. But it has to go someplace else first, and the Texas case, at least, went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed the Texas ruling and said the drug coming off. But actually, the, the Circuit Court of Appeals said that the drug doesn't have to come off, but we're going to add more restrictions. Uh, when it can be used, how it can be used, etc. So it sort of modified the Texas ruling. Well, they, there was an emergency application to uh, the Supreme Court. Now, each Supreme Court justice is assigned on an emergency basis to handle certain cases from different circuit courts of appeals. So in this case, the Fifth Circuit, which is based in New Orleans, that's Judge Alito's jurisdiction. And Judge Alito, who we all know is an arch-conservative, known as one of the most conservative judges on the bench, uh, Supreme Court bench, block the Texas ruling temporarily and blocked the um, Circuit Court of Appeals ruling. Now, what's interesting is, is the Supreme Court is supposed to take this up today, but if they don't, if for some reason they don't get to it today, the restrictions, the block on the Texas thing runs out tonight, meaning that the Texas order will stand and uh, the, the drug will be banned. But this touches on, and you alluded to it, this touches on a fundamental question. And that is, when, who empowered these agencies to exist? When they were empowered to exist, were they given total discretion, which will always escape judicial review, which is what you asserted in your opening comments. And even if that is true, if in giving that unfettered discretion, if 
20 years later, we do discover something. Should the Supreme Court be able to step in? Now, again, at, in your opening remarks, you said something which is so true, and that is that so many, if not most of all decisions these days are political and not based on the merits. Having said that, you also mentioned that the founders, in their wisdom, still believed that a three-part, a tripart system of government is the best, where they all act as check and balances, and I agree with you that the check and balance is out the window. But this is exactly what's going on. It's here. mostly checks. Yeah, 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 yeah. They write the checks. The the biggest check, right, right. There's no balancing, just checks. <laughs> but this is what's going on in Israel now, where Bibi and Netanyahu is trying to shift the power between the executive branch and the judicial, and we see all the unrest there. So um, those are my initial comments. I want to hear more from you. Obviously, it's your show. But, but I, I think that there's two issues that we can focus on. One is when agency is created, does that give them unfettered discretion for the rest of time? And two, is this all just a ruse? Is this a completely politically driven agenda by a judge? And if so, how do you ever combat that? If the judicial branch is the final arbiter, the supremacy clause, right? The only, only the United States Supreme Court can say whether something is constitutional or not. The United States Supreme Court can say an executive order is unconstitutional can say an act of Congress, uh, a bill, is constitutional. It's very difficult for the executive branch or the legislative branch to override a Supreme Court decision. The question, Morty, is now that we know, we've lived it the last few years, how politicized even the judicial branch has gotten, has become, what's the check and balance system on that? How do you stop a runaway court? Right. How do you stop a runaway court? And and in this case particularly... And I'm sorry for holding the mic for so long, but... No, no, you made very good points. In this instance, the assertion that this judge in Texas made that the FDA didn't do its job, that they were somehow remiss in in approving this drug is outrageous because he hasn't done any research it hasn't given any basis for saying that. It's been out for 20 years. It's been safe. So it's, it's clearly unrelated to the, uh, the facts of, the, of the, what the FDA did. He's saying the FDA was remiss. How, was, how did he arrive at that conclusion? Right. Well, this, is, this so goes back 23 <clears throat> years. The FDA approved it in the year 2000. Yeah, so but there's, no, there's been no question raised as to the validity of that decision that the FDA made. And he comes along and says it was illegal that what they did. There's no, not one iota of, of evidence to that effect. It's just like uh, uh, Trump and some of his people saying uh, he won the election and, and, and they took it to 60 courts and only one court even took it up because <clears throat> they all said there's not a scintilla of evidence. To, to support that, uh, in this case also, there's not a, any, any facts. Well, the handwriting on, was on the wall a year ago 
for a case like this because a year ago the Supreme Court said that there is no national right in the Constitution for an abortion. That was a year ago. So that was the beginning of, I mean, that was the handwriting on the wall. Since then, 12 states um, that are, we would call republicly, Republican-aligned states have passed outright bans on abortions. So this was happening. You know, this was, this was on the wall. And the fact that they got it in front of this judge, Kazmarek, I think his name is, if I remember correctly, um, that they got this in front of this judge in Texas. Well, we, we all know what kind of state Texas is, you know. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's red. It's red. So to the extent that it wound up in this court, in front of this judge, again, raises questions that, that, that we've touched on. How do you stop? Look, I'm in the middle of two trials now, two different divorce trials, one in the Bronx and one in Kings County, and the issues are pretty if much the same. If you lose, how much years do you get uh, to serve? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that's an interesting point also. Trump, uh, th this judge in Texas was a Trump-appointed uh, a judge. So again, the handwriting was on the wall. But the point I was making is I, I'm in the middle of two trials at the same time now. You know, divorce trials, they're not consecutive dates. You know, when a judge has a day here, he'll hear. So yesterday I was on trial in Brooklyn. Tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm on trial in the Bronx. And, you know, the issues are pretty much the same, but I'm expecting different rulings because I've got two different judges. I've, you know, I'm not going to say which one is which because we're still in the middle of trial. Don't, don't say anything. I'm not saying anything. And they, who knows bias, they, bias right, who, knows if, who knows if the judges <clears throat> listen to this podcast. Right. But, but for all, all of us lawyers, we talk about all the time, you know, uh, uh, you got to get the right jury and you got to get the right judge. <clears throat> in a way, the guy in Texas ha has some jurisdiction according to the Supreme Court because only a, a short while ago they ruled that if it's not specifically in the Constitution, addressed in the Constitution, it reverts to the states. I think it's called Correct. federalism. Right. So right. anything not specifically addressed. So right. abortion was not addressed in, in the Constitution. Correct. So it reverts to the states. Texas is still a state to the last Last time I checked. It hasn't anyway. been overrun yet. No, it's not overrun. <laughs> it's trying to withdraw and start its own country. <clears throat> so, because they don't like uh, some of the liberal uh, things that have passed over the years. So, <clears throat> in that case, it would seem to me that they would say it's it reverts back to the to the states. But if there's a, a, a jurisdictional problem with the with two judges arguing different, I think somebody has to be the referee. Right. So maybe in that case, the Supreme Court does have a, a, a role. Right. You would so, know that better than yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. When there is a <clears throat> dispute between two district court rulings, federal district court rulings, or two circuit court of appeals rulings, that, that's the type of case that's going to make it way, its way to the Supreme Court because there has to be some finality. There has to be some, some way to resolve it. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> but I agree with you that, that, and this actually dovetails into the second topic that, that we were going to talk about today, is how do you deal with uh, judges 
or prosecutors that, that have a political agenda. And even if there is no political agenda, and this is such an important point I want to make, even if a judge does not have a political agenda, or a prosecutor like Alvin Bragg doesn't have a political agenda, you will never convince half of the population that they don't have a political agenda. What do you agenda. mean? Jordan says he came to New York and he's got, uh, what's his name, under trial. He's got Bragg under trial, the DA. Right. When it's not even his business, it's a local. Well, he says it. It's his jurisdiction because the government is paying some of the costs of the of Bragg's uh, investigation. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think that you know you got it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I think what Jordan is saying is since you know we can get into this second topic later, but just quickly since the statute of limitations on the misdemeanor of, of falsification of business records, which is a two-year statute of limitations in New York, since that expired, the only way Bragg can bring this case is if he bootstraps it to a federal election campaign finance uh, uh, violation, crime, if you will. But that's a federal uh, the states don't have jurisdiction. So if the entire state prosecution is predicated on a violation of, a, uh, of something that's been entrusted to the federal government, that is uh, what Representative Jordan's and, you know, Alan Dershowitz, who's no Trump fan. He is and, a Trump fan. Well, he, <clears throat> he didn't start out as a Trump fan um, and is not known as a Republican or a conservative. He's he's a Democrat, and he, he says that all he's the time. He's a strong uh, right. Trump supporter. It, it, now he is. <clears throat> now he is. I mean, he has a, a come out with a number of videos that I've seen in, in the last few weeks, um, really castigating Bragg for for the prosecution for many reasons. One of, the, one of them being what I just said, and that is that he's bootstrapped this to a federal... Uh, issue which a local DA has no jurisdiction. Yeah, but remember Michael Cohn, who was right. Trump's lawyer, went to serve jail time on that specific <clears throat> issue. Not that he made a payment to the correct to the mistress or the right. girlfriend or the whatever you call her of Trump's that. He had an affair yeah, with but, her. But the statute of limitations <clears throat> was still viable at that time. And in this case, the only way, the only reason why Bragg can bring this is because he's doing something which is completely unprecedented. You know, Bragg is famous uh, in, in, in this city for taking felonies and reducing them to misdemeanors. You know, that, that's, his, that's his M.O. And here he's taken a misdemeanor and elevated it to a felony, which is really just not to w what he does when he gets up every morning. And not only has he linked it to a felony, he's linked it to a felony that A, Federal Election Commission and others have, and prior prosecutors have already passed on and said there's no violation, but B, this is not his jurisdiction. And it's going to, my prediction, and Alan Dershowitz's prediction, you don't need mine, I would trust Alan Dershowitz's, you don't need my stamp of, of kosher on it, but it's going to fall apart. You, you can't, you, you can't, a local DA does not have jurisdiction over federal election campaign finance. I think he has <coughs> jurisdiction because um, it emanates from the discovery <coughs> of the violations that were not known up to, to you can't, you can't bring a case if it wasn't uh, known. 
and all the business manipulation. Yeah, but that's that, the that mystery. What's his name is uh, no. What's his name is in jail for it. Weiss, Weissenberg the, uh, is in jail because of that, <clears throat> and that was only recently discovered. So, it, the, the statute of limitations only begins from the time that somebody becomes aware that there was a somebody broke the law. Well, I, I, I disagree with you, respectfully, why, why? because that's not true. If I broke the law 10 years ago and they never, the government never found out about it, that's to my benefit. If I've got a gun in my backyard that I used in the commission of a crime and the government comes looking for it and I pick it up and I move it, that's a problem. But... I'm not required to disclose the fact that the gun is there. I'm not required to make any statements that incriminate myself. And if they find the gun there after the statute of limitations, good, happy days for me, sad days for the government. Well, That's I, the way it works, Marty. I'm clearly wrong if you're right. <coughs> because That's true. Because, <laughs> no, because... I have to be right sometimes. No, you're, you're always right. <coughs> like the rabbi said, you're right, you're, you're right, right, you're right. Too. You're right, too. You're right. No, it's my impression that if it couldn't have been discovered till it was discovered, then you can bring the lawsuit then. If I did something <clears throat> to conceal it. But if I didn't do anything to conceal it, and it just didn't come to light because nobody told you or you didn't have the right investigative tools... Well, Trump, Trump concealed it. Uh, okay, so now you're getting into the merits no, of the case. but a guy in jail... That proves that. <clears throat> no, it proves that the guy in jail had knowledge of something and did something wrong, but it doesn't prove that Trump did. Because no, but it's it many did, years. Because but it's it many did, years. They, it, it's okay, I don't. for many years. So they could say, well, you're bringing the case now. That all, this, uh, that he, all the sins that he did occurred years ago. So Look, we know what's going to happen. It's going to wind its way through the courts in New York. It's if it's not dismissed, and again, I, I don't know a lot about this judge that has the case other than the fact that he's ruled on other Trump cases before, which could be a problem. You also have a, there's going to be a motion to change venue uh, to Richmond County, probably. <clears throat> um, but this is not going to, even if he's, even if somehow a New York jury convicts him. The best judge this, that I've noticed recently was Judge Kaplan. <clears throat> who was the judge in the uh, Fox... Uh, defamation case? Dominate... Dominate... Defamation. defamation and dom, domin, dominion. Right, they just dominion settled case. for like a, <clears throat> close to a billion, what, 1.7 billion or something no, like that? It's, uh, less. It's 800, just 800 million. Just short, of million. just short of 800 million. Right, close to a billion. Right, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But, but he put... The case were in a position where it had to be resolved, right? And he didn't allow for delays, and he ruled on major issues related to the case. The actual malice issue. Yeah, so he didn't leave it. You know, most judges seem to vacillate and and avoid these kind of things, and he brought it to a point where he wouldn't allow Fox to say, well. It's the First Amendment and free speech. He said that, that he really 
ruled that that was bull. Well, I think what the issue came down to is Fox was saying we were simply reporting newsworthy. You know, we, we, we were reporting what Trump believed as opposed to saying what they believed the truth to be. And the judge didn't go for that. And the, the judge, am I correct? Yeah, the judge was simply saying, listen, there's internal emails uh, that show that, that you were doing more than just reporting what Trump believed to be true. You were carrying his water. And they had no choice. They had to settle. You, you were saying that... Uh, yeah, that the, the machines that, were rigged. That, uh, what's his name with one? And you kept fighting right. it. And I believe, <clears throat> I believe that, that what they settled for is about 25% of Fox's... Uh, Half. Uh, no, of, of their revenue. And they took a big hit. And and there's others and there's other. That's nothing for them. They didn't. They were not embarrassed by having uh, all the key guys come and testify, including well, the Tucker owner. Carlson would have had to testify. Sean Hannity would have had to come to testify. Right, <clears throat> right. So and but I, from there's another lawsuit that that has not yeah. settled. Yeah, yeah. It's for for more money, two and a half billion. Yeah. Smart man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also related to Fox's coverage of this. So, yeah, one for the so, liberals. You want to know something? For yeah. uh, for Fox, it's the equivalent of a pocket paying a parking ticket. Some of it, I think, will be a tax deduction. Right. Um, but it's tough to spin also this. Also, they, any... they may have insurance. I don't know if they have insurance. I don't know, but it's tough to spin this in any positive way because they can't even... The, if they want to try to defend this and go on, you know, the road saying, you know, we were screwed. No, they won't. They, they can't. They, 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 they really. They accomplished the best that they could accomplish. Yeah. Fox got a good deal because the real thing, the, the, the nation, most people would have liked to hear uh, those superstars testify. Oh, that, that would have been fun to see Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity testify. Right. That's correct. And, and, and reject their own words. Man, it, it really is amazing because, you know, if you're hooked into Fox News, then you believe that that's the gospel. And if you're hooked into CNN or MSNBC, you believe that's the gospel. And it's really a 50-50. I mean, this country is about as divided as you can get. And you know, I don't know where it all ends because the tolerance level for the for the other side is gone. I mean, there is the debate and speech clause. There's no more debate anymore. There's no speech anymore. There's hollering and protests and violence. Maybe the answer would be um, <clears throat> for Supreme Court judges to be elected by the general population. At least there it's, it, it changes every few years. <clears throat> I, I, it's not like uh, Trump appointed three judges that are radicals, you know, and two of them should have never been appointed in the first place, Thomas and, and Kavanaugh, because there's enough good qualified people out there that they could have held up those appointments and made sure what the facts were, because in the case of Thomas, his assistant testified that he was uh, abusive in terms of sexually abusive. <clears throat> she didn't make a strong enough case. She, she only said he made remarks and so forth. But this was a need of help? She would, yeah, she would have brought him down and said he propositioned her, you know, if you're going to bring a case, at least make it a strong case. And so 
the Republicans got him through, and he's he's like the biggest thief, and he's the one that's judging. I mean, he says that he didn't know. Here's a guy who's judging the, uh, all of the laws of the land. Didn't know he, what? He didn't know that he had to report this. this oh, the, or, the, the property? The yeah. property sale oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and millions of dollars of, uh, of yeah. uh, gifts mm-hmm. and so forth. And not only, interesting claim. And not only that, he sold the property to Crow, a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And after he sold it, he, he gave the, uh, Thomas's mother free, free rent forever in those buildings. I, I disagree with you that judges should be um, elected. Why? But I'll tell you why in a minute. But I do believe that there should be term limits, and that would solve some of the problem. But once you get into elections, then you're no different than there's even more politics. You know, then the screaming and the yelling and the average American. See, the average American can vote for a president because if they're wrong, he's gone in four years. They can vote for a congressman because if they're wrong, he's gone in two years. They can vote for a senator because he's wrong, he's gone in six years. And there's an, enough other senators and congressmen to have voted. But a Supreme I agree Court with justice. That. I don't know why they did that. So I think they have to be appointed and confirmed by the Senate. That's the check in the balance. But, yeah, but that have becomes, a rotation system. But that becomes very political. All you need to do is look at what happened with Garland. Right. What's his name appointed him? Uh, Was it Obama that appointed him? Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. uh, He had a right to appoint him. And uh, what's his name? Mitch McConnell was head of the Senate at that time. Republicans. And he refused to even bring him up for a vote. That's outrageous. And he he argued, his whole argument was, no, that... It, it, there's only 11 months left on Right, right, you're a lame duck president. A lame right. duck. Right. So we should wait till uh, uh, there's an election and a new president, whoever he is. Well, Trump got lucky in that regard. The Republicans, the conservatives got lucky in that regard. I understand, but it was yeah. ridiculous. It's outrageous because not only that, uh, what is it, three years later, maybe three or four years later, uh, <clears throat> Trump appointed a new Supreme Court judge like two months before the election, not 11 months before. Right, 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 right. So it shows you that the, the Supreme Court is corrupt in, in, in so many ways. When they, when they passed the law, Citizens United, when they said, uh, it used to be you were limited how much you could spend to support different parties and right. different candidates. And they ruled that a corporation uh, is just as, like a person, and they could give as much as they want. It's free speech. Money, they said, is free speech. And, uh, you know, so it's whatever, whatever they choose to say and then find support for it, you know. You're, they say, you're right, you're right. But well, this is what we said at the beginning, that there is this politicization, and even if there isn't, and to me this is even a bigger problem, because even if you would say that these nine justices are the sharpest minds out there and they're well-versed in the Constitution, and I believe, I believe they are smart, there's no dummies on the Supreme Court, but you're never going to convince the other half of the world that they're not that it's not politics. No, but how do, that, how do you let Thomas, yeah, yeah, you have no rules for the Supreme Court 
that they have to uh, what, what do you call it when when they recuse themselves? Right. That they don't have to recuse themselves. Even Thomas's wife was an activist. She an organization she started was funded by Crow, and it was one of the strongest um, advocates for uh, <clears throat> Trump's view that he won the election and Biden's a phony serving under fraudulent terms or, you know, mm -hmm. when there's no evidence of that. And this, with her husband ruling on things like that, he was only one of nine justices that ruled on one issue related to this. All I, the others... I, I, I would disagree with you that, I don't think the Supreme Court is corrupt, I would think that they're tilted, but that's been the story over the believe, last... You don't I don't think they're corrupt. I, don't I didn't say they're corrupt. I said Thomas is corrupt. Oh, okay, okay. And they don't deal okay. with that corruption. Okay, okay. And not only that, it's not one-sided, because the um, Democrats, likewise, all of Congress is corrupt, because they have a, a rule that Congress can't be brought to trial for insider trading. So there are people sitting in jail right. where it's questionable, where, you know, but a jury held that they had inside information. And Pelosi apparently did many, many trades, and they, they have the best quite inside well, information. She's quite a wealthy woman. No, and yeah. they had the best yeah. inside information, because yeah. if they vote to give Boeing a big contract, and it's voted by Congress. They know that beforehand, right? They could go out and buy the stock, and then when it's announced, it runs up, she could kick it out and make a, an, a guaranteed a positive return. Agree or disagree, with all the problems that we've discussed, do, do you agree or disagree that this division of power between the three, between the three branches of government is, is the best form of government I in do, the world? But I do, but, but I also think systemically we're no longer living in a democracy. Not as a democracy should be defined. Because it's a plutocracy. It's the people who pay the bills for these guys, who the donors who call the shots. That's why you can't get any gun control, even though like 80% of the population, every day there's people getting shot. They're gonna, they pass something, well, we're gonna have a red flag. We're gonna check out if people are nuts before they, they'll never track them down. It's, it's, you it's, have to give back all your guns. It's this, yeah, it's a <laughs> distraction. It's, yeah. it's outrageous. Right. And, and every day, there's more than one a day mass shootings. Could you believe that? It's there's been There's been for 140 this year, and there's not 140 days yet. Right. Listen. The, and there's that, 400 million guns. Right. And my son-in-law owns a gun, and he says it's for protection. That's such nonsense. Protection it's, from your daughter. <laughs> that, that could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's protection. And you, all you're doing is raising. If somebody comes in my house and I find them t attacking me or t taking right. my money or taking. I would be the most cooperative, most uh, receptive to anything that he wants, just so I could get him to get out of the house. Wait a minute. So but you're I wouldn't telling me if I knock I, on your door one night and ask you for your money, you're going to give it to me? You had a fight? No, you, 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 no you, 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 you
the doctor rang the bell at the yeah, wrong place. Well, yeah, terrible. And the guy shot him through Dude, the... Two of, those, two of those stories happened. One was an African-American kid. One was a, uh, a, a, a white, white girl. girl. Yeah, they yeah. drove up to their... Yeah, that guy will be sitting for a while. Which yeah. guy? The guy that shot both of them because neither one of them posed any threat. They were outside. The shooter was no, inside. No, but the guy in Missouri who shot the guy at the door, Yeah, they have a... What do, what do, you, what do they call it? Stand, uh, stand, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Yeah, but there has to and be that, some and, threat. But he felt that there was a threat. Okay. So that's going to turn on the facts. The, the, the girl, the white, white girl, the guy who shot her is a white guy. <clears throat> and he was inside the house. And, and yeah, she was and, outside the house yeah, and the door was closed. Uh, yeah, and he ran after, you know. So yeah. he, he should probably definitely be. Yeah, he will be. But, you know, it, it's all <clears throat> it's all academic because... You know, in the case of Floyd, right? So Floyd, the the officers that uh, held him down. Right, Derek Chauvin, yeah. They're, they're serving jail time. Yeah, he just right? got his appeal denied last week. <clears throat> Look how smart we are. We're up on everything. No, but let me tell you something. Yeah. <clears throat> there was no question that, that there was a reasonable doubt because they brought expert witnesses, the other side, the police, that he may have died from overdrugs or yeah. medical conditions. And, and if there's a reasonable doubt, he's not supposed to be convicted. So uh, that was also political, because you couldn't... Uh, there was a certain sentiment in the... There was a certain <clears throat> sentiment and feeling in the country at that time that might have demanded oh. that that was the result. And he turned out Floyd is the, one of the heroes right. of all time, even though his track record was not an admirable less than one. Stel less than stellar. <clears throat> and to get back to one thing that you yeah. mentioned about Bibi Netanyahu, yeah. what Bibi's trying to do, and he's doing a very poor job of selling it, all he has to do is say, uh, say this, the United States is the number one democracy in the world. And all I'm doing is duplicating or mirroring what the United States has. In other words, the president selects a, a, a member of the Supreme Court and the Knesset or the, um, or the, parliament, or right. the parliament or the legislature approves it. Right, well, he was, yeah, right. So, and, and in Israel, it's an arbitrary group there's only two members of, of parliament that serve. All the rest are, uh, you know... There for 15 they minutes, No, they, right? weren't, they yeah. weren't elected. Right. You know, I don't know if you realize, years ago, this, the way it worked, if the president died, the vice president was next in line. You know who was after the vice president? Speaker of the House. No. You? The secretary, me. The Secretary of State was next. Really? I thought it was the, I thought the, it was the Secretary of Treasury. Wow. And they changed that because they said those are not elected officials. Uh -huh. So then they changed it to the Speaker of the House, oh, so, okay, the Majority so Leader. Right. So I'm saying, in this case also, why pick an arbitrary group that has its own political views? Right. Well, being no, but if he sells that as, as... And not only that, but then... Uh, if the if the Supreme Court rules, I, I can override them. Right, but Bibi's problem was not just the way he sold it. You're right, that's exactly what it's, he should have said. It's that he's under 
is under indictment. That's the problem. He was the wrong guy to sell it yeah. because the detractors are saying the only reason. By the way, he immediately, not immediately, about three weeks into this, he said, okay, okay, but this group, you know, if it passes, they won't be presiding over, over my case. So that was a, a pivot. But again, he was the wrong guy to sell it. But I'm saying it should and be. And he sold it wrong. I believe that, that he's right to I, move in that direction. He is, but he's not it elected, Just like right. when we, we switched from the Secretary of State, which is a big position, Secretary of Treasury, the Secretary of Commerce, I forget what after that. But it was all right. non elected officials. The only one that was elected was the Vice President. Right. So. And, and then the Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House is right, right, after, yeah. right. The guy McCarthy now is, is right after uh, uh, Kamala Harris. So there's hope. Hope for what? <laughs> <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. So t I don't know if you saw it today, but uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. declared his uh, candidacy for the Democratic nomination. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, is he a congressman? He is not. What is I he? don't think so. Uh, uh, we're going to check. But he, he declared his, uh, and he's... Well, at least there's name recognition. He is to the left. He's got great name recognition. The, the, the place where he announced, I think it was in Boston, you, you couldn't get into the building. And um, what is he now? He was Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s son. He was Robert F. Kennedy's uh, son. Um, tremendous name recognition, but way to the left. I mean... Yeah, let me see what it is. I just... Uh, no, he's a lawyer. Yeah. He's described himself as a truth teller who will end the division. No more division, just multiplication, subtraction, and addition. <laughs> no more division in right. math. So that's going to be interesting because, as we know, Biden still has not <clears throat> announced uh, whether he's running yet or not, which makes it hard for the right to... Harder for the right. He's right not to it. Yeah, no, he's right not to announce. If he announces he's not running, he becomes lame duck. Right. And that's terrible. Right. And, and if he announces he is running, he's he's got a target on his back in terms of attack on his uh, policies or lack of yeah, policies. No, so who's no, ever no, pulling no, the strings for him is doing a good job. Right. They're doing a good job. How was your what, Passover? What else? Passover is always great. And they're great spending it with the kids, the grandkids. Yeah. Great. Right, so you know. The only I, thing is, I I don't get any sleep. We 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 end up our seder's at uh, our celebration at three a.m. in wow. the morning. Wow, we stopped at two. I had had it at two o'clock in the morning, so yeah. that's it. But now that I know that you go to three, next year I got to go at least till three o one. You will not beat me. No, buddy. now that you have all these new grandkids, grandkids yeah. At the, by the time they say the manishtanas and everything, I know it's and time to go to uh, it'll be four. You know, all of the... What Before it was only you and your wife. That's it. And your daughters, maybe. You're not everything we've unpacked today, and we really covered a lot of issues, but everything we unpacked has a common denominator. And that is, uh, are there two Americas? And when you ask that question, it depends who you're asking it to. Because if you're asking it to a liberal, oh, there are definitely two Americals, Americas. If you're asking it to a conservative, there's two Americas. If you're asking it to a rich person, maybe not. If you're asking it to a person who's impoverished, there is. And it's interesting, you know, like I said, I teach, and my final this year to, to my students at uh, Turo College is that. And it's, it's a six-part essay on, on are there two Americas? 
And I want them to take the competing and the opposite they're going to write as if there is and if there isn't from two different vantage points. There definitely is. There's One is Brooklyn and the rest, <laughs> and the rest of the right. United States. Now, but, but, you know, when you look at it in a nutshell, you know, you, you ask the average, you know, uh, urban, per, you know, African-American living in Chicago, are there two Americas? Yes, there is. We're held down. And, you know, the white man has every opportunity open to him. And you ask the same question to a white man in Chicago, are there two Americas? Yes. We can't walk safely on the street. And they can. Uh, we take a bullet from a cop. You know, by accident or on purpose, there's no protests. Uh, but an African-American takes a bullet from a cop, whether it's on purpose or by accident, it, the place explodes. So there are two Americas. There's no question that there are two Americas. But it depends on who you're asking that question to because the two Americas, you're going to get the exact flip side of the argument. I believe there's two Americas. I believe that I th there's... I think we've... We've really deteriorated as, as a country in our behavior vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world, vis-a-vis -vis our belligerence. We're the only country since the Second World War that's been in so many wars. Yeah. The Korean War, the Vietnam. Vietnam War, the Iraqi War, the, uh, um, the last one where Biden pulled out... Uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan war, hmm. we haven't won any of the wars, we've, we've killed, we've had our people killed, Spent and our treasure, money. right, and, 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 now, and, now we're, and now we're in a new war, not directly yet, but, but uh, in danger of being directly involved, and that's the um, a war in Ukraine. So, and we're the biggest suppliers of arms to everyone, on both sides. So, yeah. we're, we're the most belligerent country in the world, when, when one of our geniuses early on, hmm. Monroe, yeah. oh, genius president, is a good president, idea. president Monroe, said we should be careful and we should only get involved in things that affect us directly, North and South America. What, what are we doing in Vietnam? What's our interest? What, what are we, we're ready to go to war for Taiwan. Yeah, that was, Vietnam was a quagmire. I mean, I grew no, up in the Vietnam why, why, How do we... Yeah. What's our issue with Taiwan? It's just we want that connection. To, to, it's, a, it's for power, you know. Well, I think there's some economic concerns there. I think if you let China get... It's all, I mean, the cat's out of the bag already with China, but if you get, let China get too powerful... That can really have we're, economic we're, consequences. We're, let, we're letting them. Why do we let them? No, we're, we're encouraging them yeah. because it's our behavior. Do you know that we want to cut off TikTok, right? Right. So that sounds reasonable. Except if China, no, if China cuts off General Motors and Ford and, and our companies from selling in China, that's the biggest market. We're cutting our uh, nose to, to spite the face. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. We don't realize uh, we put a tariff on China. That's one of the reasons we, we have inflation too, because we, we import much less from China. It's outrageous. It's like uh, who's running this country is retarded, you know. And, and, it, and they didn't try. They made no effort to negotiate with Putin to avoid this Ukrainian war because he said, if you agree not to let, and maybe he was full of bunk, right. but at least you tell him, okay, 
if we will agree not to, we didn't need Ukraine and the and the and the um, what is it called the uh, NATO NATO and NATO we don't, we didn't need them NATO is twenty strong countries right. we didn't need them and it's not like we're desperate to have Ukraine and they're going to make a big difference and he said if you don't let Ukraine into NATO I won't attack Ukraine right now. Yeah, there's a risk that he's a liar. But you say, then if you do that, risk I'm, I'm going right. to, I'm going to, you know. But they say, well, Neville Chamberlain gave him to Hitler, and then he, afterwards, after he gave him uh, Chamberlain, gave him everything, he attacked anyway. That didn't change the history of the world because he was going to do it anyway, and he did it. It was a good try. So you know, Ch Chamberlain was was maligned. He, he died from disappointment because he came back and he said that's the end of all wars you know we, we made peace and so forth but you give it a shot that's what what that's what diplomacy is all about there's no diplomacy and now we're just sending more and more uh, uh, more dangerous more more uh, weapons what is it called weapons of mass mass mutual destruction mass destruction and, and, and it's outrageous, like I said before, I think I told you this. It's, it's outrageous that we send our young people, our most precious future, uh, our young men and women, to kill other young people on the other side that were not for the leadership of these countries. They would probably be best friends and help each other and so forth. It's outrageous. And, and not only that, but... China is developing some of the most advanced stuff, and we're saying they steal ours. We're way if we, China if now. we both steal each other's, we're both all making progress. Right. That's ridiculous. All right, Morty. For another did we, day. Did we cover everything? Did I we think do, we did. I think. Did, did we do an hour? Yeah. People might even think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> That's how good this one was. Okay. Well, it's the, your voice of wisdom that. Uh, that I've got I mean, the ear, the, you've got the voice of wisdom. I got the ears of wisdom because I listen more than I talk. I, I never had a voice. My father hired uh, a cantor to teach me to sing. Oh yeah. And after two sessions, he, he says to my father, back. "No, he told my father, save your money. Yeah, it's hopeless. So I get paid to, to not sing, to uh, to not use my voice. Well, but uh, over the years, because I've lived so long, I've uh, inadvertently. Uh, gained a lot of experience, a lot of uh, wisdom, supposedly. Well, what's some of it off on a, me? A lot of knowledge. I'm main. I hope to live as long as you and be as wise as you. No, I, I've, I've told my children and whoever I talk to that I care about, I said, look, when, when you're depressed and down and so forth, Think of what you would do if your best friend, somebody you loved, even if to the point where they lost a child, and you can't do anything. That scar is going to be in there. You can't tell them, forget it, or, and you certainly shouldn't. You know, you got to go over there and say, you know, my heart goes out to you. Don't say, you know, this two will pass. You don't say anything like it. You say, you know, I can understand it's, it hurts so much, it's, it's a wound, but the wound over time gets less and less, and, and we'll do good things 
in the name of that child that'll have that child live forever. We'll have a foundation that will die of cancer. Every year we'll have a, one or two parties and recognize his scribe and have his picture there. And, and you give him advice like that. And not only that, but you say, you know, and I promise you, eight years from now, we're going to be skiing again in Vermont and doing things that are fun. It's not the end of your life, you know, because some people, when they lose a child, the mother goes into a mental institution yeah. and the father... Uh, I think I told you this. I worked with a guy, Lindsay uh, was his last name. His father was the wealthiest guy in New Hampshire. In the old days, he, he owned a uh, mill. Everybody in the town worked for him. So much so that he said, just like in Ireland, he had the right to the bride on the wedding night before the, before the groom. That's how powerful he was. But at that time, Lindbergh's child was kidnapped and killed, and, and it was a big tragedy. And his father got worried because he was so wealthy, mm -hmm. and he had a sister in him. So his father hired guards around the clock, 24-7. And he says one day, one of the guards was cleaning his gun, and it, it discharged. discharged and killed the, the daughter, killed his sister. He says his mother wound up in a mental institution, his father wound up an alcoholic. Yeah. So sometimes the curse is that you, you are you are what what you're so wealthy. Anyway, I hate to end on, on this such a disappointing thing. But I, I just want to finish. So I tell them what you do is just as you go to your best friend, when you have a problem, nobody else is gonna solve it. You're you're the one who has to love yourself, nobody else is gonna do it for you. Nobody's with you 24-7 as you are with yourself. So you got to deal with yourself and love yourself and treat yourself. And treat yourself as if you were your own best friend. And you should be your own best friend. And give yourself a pat on the back and give the same kind of advice. Oh, man. And that's, the, that's, one, of the, that's one of the things. That's part of my... Uh, that's part of why I wrote the book. Happiness, Happiness Guaranteed or Your Misery Back. I might read it one day. <laughs> you should. Morty, thank you so much for having God me again. God bless I you. I appreciate it. It's always great to have you. Always a pleasure. And you, get, you bring so much knowledge and wisdom. And to my listeners, thank you for listening. God bless you. I love you. Stay healthy. And every day of your life should be better than the day before.